Hello, I am Anthony Robson and this is Commotion of Coots, a bite-sized weekly podcast all about wildlife. Episode 3 sees us taking to the evening streets in search of the most feline of canines, the fox. That description is reasonably accurate, as the fox family diverged from the wolf lineage roughly 12 million years ago. To put this into context, man domesticated dogs at most 30,000 years ago, and while the gait of the fox evokes dog on the flat, watching it navigate a vertical leap up a fence or wall, there's a lightness and litheness that few domestic breeds can match. And there is also a distinction to be made here between the urban fox and its countryside cousin. Not in terms of species. In the UK, this is specifically the red fox, and they are one and the same. But when it comes to an easier life, one is most certainly streets ahead. Or not streets, because it might seem counterintuitive to think that it's the city dweller that has it harder. Each urban cub, which can also be known as a pup or a kit, each urban cub born has a 1 in 2 chance of making its first birthday a one in four chance of seeing two years old, and while there are outliers, three years is about the pinnacle an urban fox can hope to achieve. This compares terribly to the countryside, where foxes can live to 15, and about 12 is the norm. A number of factors can account for this difference, and a lot is simply down to higher volumes of traffic, especially when you consider they move about primarily at night. Much of the slack in the figures is down to disease. The cities have abundant food sources, which encourages a higher density of dens. If one den gets, for example, an outbreak of mange, you can be sure that multiple overlapping territories will see that spread to the others. In many areas, that's exactly what has happened, with numbers of urban foxes reduced significantly by mange. And while there can be no real certainty on how many foxes there are in the UK, the urban population is very roughly thought to run into the 30,000s, out of a total population of more than a quarter of a million. Without mange and traffic, there would undoubtedly be many more, with suburban areas bringing with them defined and divided gardens providing the perfect habitat, whether it's for creating a den under a shed or offering a quick and easy escape from a threat by simply jumping over a wall. And this would also account for the urban colonisation being noted in significant numbers only really from the 1930s onwards. It's certainly the case that, that some foxes can be bold, seemingly losing their fear of people, and we have foxes visit our garden in daylight hours, but it's perhaps the habit of slinking about in the half-light, disappearing in a moment once spotted, that has led to them being a figure of cunning in folklore. The world over, this stigma is attached to all sorts of foxes. In Japan, the fox is Kitsune, an intelligent supernatural being who grows additional tails as it gets more powerful, with nine tails accounting for 900 years on Earth, and the most that can be comfortably carried by the fox. But how does it get this power? Well, by stealing the life force of humans, more often than not by shape-shifting into the form of an attractive woman. Sometimes they'll take the form of a man, but you've got to assume men are simply more, let's say, gullible. Fans of etymology will be pleased to learn that the genesis of the word shenanigan is thought to come from an Irish Gaelic phrase which translates as, I play the fox. 
This trickster nature of foxes survived into modern-day storytelling, with Roald Dahl telling the story of the fantastic Mr Fox and his battles with three local farmers, which contained an odd juxtaposition of killing chickens, ducks and geese, sometimes in cahoots with a badger, but then sharing a banquet with other animals, including rabbits, for whom he specifically stole carrots. But often the fox is also revered, and has two starry claims to fame. Firstly, the constellation Canis Minor is a fox, which was thrown into the sky by Zeus after being turned to stone. Incidentally, Canis Major is the dog that Zeus had sent to find the fox, who was also turned to stone and flung to the sky, which seems particularly unfair. More poetically, however, in northern Finland, the fox is said to cause the aurora borealis, its fur creating sparks from the snow that rise to the sky. The Finns call these northern lights, and and I will mispronounce this, revontilet, which means foxfire. And so while foxes have also inspired folk songs to go with the folklore through the ages and across the continents, it's perhaps unsurprising that one of the best known is of Nordic origin. Big blue eyes, pointy nose, chasing mice and digging holes. Tiny paws, up the hill suddenly you're standing still. Your fur is red, so beautiful, like an angel in disguise. But if you meet a friendly horse, will you communicate by morse? How will you speak to that horse? What does the fox say? The poignant words of Ilvis there. Actually, foxes are known to create more than 40 distinct sounds, though the one we're most likely to be aware of is the haunting scream which pierces the night during mating season. If we go back to the Japanese kitsune, apparently one thing foxes can't say is moshi. If you've ever been to Japan or watched a movie or TV show and heard someone say moshi moshi when they answer the phone, there are three theories as to why. One involves ghosts and another telephone operators, but the third is of more relevance here and more fun, so I'm choosing to believe this one. As I mentioned earlier, kitsune are shapeshifters, but they would only take human form every now and then, and so when they spoke, they effectively had a speech impediment. This meant there were certain words that they struggled with, and moshi was one. So when answering the telephone, especially when the person on the other end is supposedly family or friend, they will say moshi moshi to each other, to confirm they're not evil fox spirits. With that potential horror movie plot, I thank you for listening to this episode of Commotion of Coots. If you want to avoid nightmares involving shapeshifters, I actually suggest finding the French movie The Fox and the Child, or Le Renard et l'Enfant. Without being saccharine sweet, it can go some way to restoring faith in the relationship between man, or at very least little girls, and the natural world. On the next episode, I'll be looking at the Sparrowhawk. To find out when episode 4 is online, please subscribe using your usual podcast platform. And you can find me on Twitter, where I'm at Wild Edinburgh. Until then, as ever, let nature take its course.